just one of kings Better than none and ring That's why we're here to sing Football Sunday in the snow Referees whistle blows Weekend warriors toe to toe Football 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 Yes, people, welcome along to a Christmas Eve version of North London 40. Woo! My name is James Hamlin. My name is Inye Benigo. So we're dropping this pod a little bit earlier this week, as most, slash all of you, are going to be, as Chris Rear would say, driving home for Christmas. So you can get this pod nice and early into your ears and be able to hold it down on the Christmas dinner table with your relatives around exactly what is going on in the NFL. Just to give you guys an impression, right now I'm in the middle of making crab cakes for Christmas, and I've taken some time away from my Christmas schedule for this pod. Crab cakes for Christmas, people. There you go. It does not get more traditional than that. So we'll recap last night's games. All a bit of a change around. No Monday night football, condensed games, no Christmas Day game. We'll cover that off. But let's start with some housekeeping. At NLDN40 on the Twitter. Thanks for thanks to you all for the follows, tweets, at all the conversations. Great stuff. NorthLondon40.tumblr.com. Bunch of really fun type stuff on there. Mixcloud.com forward slash NLDN40. You want to stream us? You want to check us out on Mixcloud? That's fine. iTunes. Just search for North London 40 You will find us on there for your iPod subscription. NorthLondon40.gmail.com on the email. Remember, we want to hear from you about anything NFL-related. It is your show, people, so feel free to participate. This week started on Saturday night, which was kind of the Thursday game, which was the Monday night game, which became the Saturday game. And normally, where we skip past the Thursday night game due to it being America's least popular TV show, this was actually a pretty good one. John Gruden, Al Michaels, or the Monday Night Crew will obviously see them every week. Uh, they were calling this one as it was a Monday Night game. And it saw the Atlanta Falcons, allegedly the worst number one NFC seed, I think looking actually pretty damn good. They're still looking for that statement win, which I think is a purely American thing. I don't think you have any sort of UK people out there going oh, this team isn't respected because they haven't beaten a really big team. If you win the league and you don't and you don't beat Man U or Man City or whatever, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. And I think this was another great victory for the Falcons. It was, I thought it was a statement win. Matralice looked brilliant. I think his timing with Roddy White and Julio Jones has been great all season, but now it just looks so precise. Turner put in a pretty decent performance as well. Fantastic touchdown to Julio Jones. You've got to see it. Look on NFL.com if you don't have the opportunity to do so. They looked in sync. They looked in the groove. And they were playing an opponent that basically were the opposite of that. Longest losing streak in the NFL. The Lions dropped their seventh in a row. They looked absolutely desperate. However, a record was broken. And a pretty damn important one by Mm. arguably the NFL's best player, Megatron. He broke Jerry Rice's receiving yards in a season. Congratulations to Calvin Johnson. It's an amazing record. Incredibly well done, especially well done to him for doing it on such a 
a horrible team. There was an amazing picture that we put out there on Twitter that it's a picture of him and his dad after the game and his dad looking incredibly proud. And and yeah, in a in a season of many records being broken, this is another great one. It was. However, I think we can both agree on this and, and yeah, I think you mentioned something on Twitter. It was also a little bit odd in the way that the game had to stop to celebrate the records whilst the team were losing on the road badly. It mm-hmm. just felt a bit odd. Yeah, I, I think it's something that you you wouldn't get over here. First of all, I don't think you could even stop a football game to acknowledge any sort of record. But it, yeah, it is especially weird that you've got such a, an amazing, prestigious record on such a horrible team. It is, and look, Calvin Johnson... One of probably the three best players in this league, and I'd put him up with Adrian Peterson and Aaron Rodgers as the three ultimate mm-hmm. football players in this league. I don't know how much Detroit and Matthew Stafford were thinking, we have to break this record. We have to use Calvin Johnson even more than we have done previously this season. And how much that is a symbol of how badly their team is going. Great record I saw this morning. With another seven attempts in... The Lions' last game of the season, which is probably going to happen in the first five minutes. Matt Stafford's going to break the NFL record for pass attempts set by Drew Bledsoe in 94, 691. He's chucking it up there a lot. Before Calvin Johnson broke the record, Mm -hmm. he got picked with a pass attempted to Calvin. Um, Calvin fumbled. I I don't know. It's... I don't want to take anything away from the record at all. I think he's an incredible player. He's beaten Jerry Rice's records. Any record that you beat that belongs to Jerry Rice is 100% legitimate. But obviously the 49ers in 95 were a contending team. So he also, and this is worth mentioning, broke another NFL record. 100 receiving yards in 10 straight games. That record has lasted since 1961, Charlie Hennigan. Also broke an NFL record, 10-plus receptions, four games in a row. He ended up with 11 receptions, 225 yards. He was also seventh on the list coming into this season last year. So he's extremely consistent. Another thing I didn't see looking into the record, when the record was set in 95, 1,848 yards by Jerry Rice, Isaac Bruce also set the second-best Mark of all time, 781. What a year that was in 95. And then Herman Moore set the sixth best ever with 1696 yards. So maybe it's not just this season it's been an incredible passing league. Brilliant moment with his dad. Mm-hmm. That was great. The Lions in absolute free fall. The Falcons looking really good. That's the home field advantage throughout the playoffs for the Atlanta Falcons. So kudos to them. Talking of number one seeds... Talking of records, let's go to Texas. The Houston Texans, 6. The Minnesota Vikings, 23. In a way, a very similar scenario actually flipped on its head. The team looking Mm -hmm. to clinch, the team that was still alive in the playoffs in the NFC North, again looking to break an offensive record as well. And maybe maybe there's something in this. Adrian Peterson had his lowest rushing record performance since October the 14th. He only had 79 yards on the ground. But the Vikings won the game. They remain in the hunt. And Houston seemed to be slipping away from the number one seed. Really interesting matchup. 
the the Vikings after this game were incredibly proud of themselves, talking about how they won as a team and how they didn't just rely on AP. And and to, if you think about it, on the flip side of the of of the Calvin Johnson thing, they could have tried to you know really just pound AP, just continually use him, but instead they started using Gerhardt. He got a TD on the day, and it really showed that. The Vikings, although are incredibly one-dimensional, they can sometimes pull it out when the team plays well together. And holding the Texans to six is amazing, frankly, to be honest. It is. First time the Texans hadn't scored a TD since 06. That team's slightly in freefall a little bit and is going to potentially lose that number one C position in the AFC. Andre Johnson playing in his 137th game. Got his 800th career reception on his first catch. Um, second fastest player in NFL history to reach the milestone um, after Marvin Harrison. So JJ Watt got one sack closer to Michael Strahan's record. He needs two and a half sacks going into the last week of the season to break that record. So that record is still alive. And very smart by the Vikings. No one fancied him in this one, but look... AP gets the record, fantastic. But what you want as that organization and what he wants as a player and a competitor is to be in that first round playoff game ready to let loose. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants. That's what the team wants. And that's how it's shaping up to the Vikings. So they are still very much in contention. Christian Ponder got married on Monday. Yeah. So maybe the ESPN we'll, reporter. Yeah. Maybe we'll see some better Ponder down the stretch. You never know. <laughs> Moving on, yesterday's early games, of which we had 11 of. It was a red zone bonanza. Lots of games, lots of games to keep an eye out, lots of games with playoff implications. Let's start with this. This had huge playoff implications. It didn't have huge levels of excitement or interest. It was an absolute stinker of a game in the AFC North, and it decided who would be getting through in the playoffs in the AFC North with a win for the Cincinnati Bengals, they scored 13, versus the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are out, scored 10. The Bengals have secured their second straight postseason berth, and and Big Ben and the Steelers are looking old. I think that right now we are looking at the San Antonio Spurs of the NFL there with the Steelers. Troy Polamalu did actually do some quite good, amazing plays on defense to keep them in the game, but at the end of the day, the A.J. Green... Andy Dalton combination is what is going to take this Bengals team into the playoffs. Second consecutive playoff appearance for the Bengals. First time that's happened since 1981-1982. First time it's ever happened in a non-strike season in the history of that franchise. So that franchise is going in the right direction. Great defensive line. Two talented young offensive players in Andy Dalton and A.J. Green. Couldn't run the ball for Toffee last night, but that didn't really matter. They managed to get the W anyway. But two potentially, potentially two teams going in opposite directions. The Steelers look old. They don't beat Cleveland next week. They're facing the first losing record in the Mike Tomlin era. I think it was symbiotic of the season. They put the ball in Big Ben's hands, the magic man, their talisman, who's done it so many times before. He threw a pick with 14 seconds to go. He obviously hadn't eaten any Big Ben indoors beef jerky before the game. <laughs> and that was that. Pass to AJ Green. Josh Brown 
Four seconds later, who was filling in with Mike Nugent, a.k.a. Nuge. For this one, he slotted it through from 43 yards out. The Bengals are there. The Steelers aren't. Steelers fans, if you want some solace, and I know there's lots of you out there that listen to the podcast, it's not all doom and gloom. Jump on YouTube. A Football Life Immaculate Reception from last week. Fantastic. This is the series that keeps on giving. One of my favourite TV shows of 2012. Amazing. Great one on about Franco Harris and the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Immaculate Reception. Go check it out. Cheer yourself up today. You'll feel a hell of a lot better after that for sure. Moving on to what is likely to be the last home game of the Andy Reid era. The Philadelphia Eagles continue to lose. The Washington Redskins continue to win. The Philadelphia Eagles, 20. The Washington Redskins, 27. The Washington Redskins can clinch the NFC East next week with a victory over the Dallas Cowboys, their first division title since 99. RG3 was back through two TDs. The players on the Redskins are already talking about matchups in the playoffs. And I'm not saying that they're taking their eye off the prize. They needed to win out to make the playoffs, and it looks like they're going to do it. Last week they had Kirk Cousins in. He won the game for them. This week RG3 came back. Wasn't as good as he was before. When he was running outside the numbers, he was he was looking to get out of bounds instead of you know try and get the extra few yards that he's been known for recently. This Redskins team looking good. This Eagles team, the less said about them, the better. I think probably the most important thing that happened to the Eagles this year was the fact that Silver Linings Playbook came out. Yep. Andy Reid's last game, and I think the sentimentalist amongst us would like to, for him to have received some kudos, some plaudits from the crowds. I think we forget this is Philadelphia. This isn't going to happen. <laughs> a couple of very lame chants of Andy, Andy, but generally the team got booed off uh, when they lost another game on a Nick Folds intentional grounding call, which was a little harsh, but it's probably the right call that thwarted another Eagles comeback. Nick Folds, I think I mentioned on Twitter, shame the Eagles weren't playing either the Broncos or the Colts this week. It would have been an only Foles and Horses Christmas special. Boom boom. But they weren't. Eagles fans, so pleased for this season to be over. That team has got to enter into a new rebuilding process. Massive questions about who's going to be playing quarterback, who's going to be coaching that franchise and how they can get rid of some of the remaining members of the Dream Team. Washington Redskins, we've been very high praising of the Shanahans in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, we're happy to lay the boot in prior to that. But mm-hmm. Mike Shanahan now has 174 wins. He's tied Mike Holmgren for the 11th all-time in NFL history. Alfred Morris broke a couple of Redskins rookie records for carries and yards. Love that man. Absolutely love what he's done this year. And Kai Forbath, another kicker with an extremely odd name, broke an NFL record for the number of consecutive field goals to begin a career. Obviously not quite up there with the Calvin Johnson record, but nonetheless, you've got to kick that ball between the posts. (laughs) It's harder when you're new. Big game next week for the Skins, and we'll break down all the Week 17 matchups that matter, not the ones that don't. We're going to skip through those. I'd like to also mention this has also been a big week for RG3. He 
it was recently revealed that he applied the following phrases and names for trademarks because you know the NFL is all about marketing in these days and here are a selection of the ones that he went for RG3 RG3 with the three ticks that makes sense go catch your dream light you up work hard stay humble no pressure no diamonds unbelievably believable dream big leave bigger Half of those I don't even think actually make any sense, but hey, good for him. So he's just registering potential strap lines, brand yes. strap lines. I don't know whether you can do that. Is this like giving yourself your own nickname? No, it's giving yourself your own nickname and then your own strap line. RG3, believe in better. <laughs> RG3, it does what it says on the tin. RG3, the return of the king. <laughs> Let him do it. Let him set up websites and all these URLs. You know what? He is on top of the nation's capital right now with an extremely exciting playoff run on the horizon. So made a lot of people very happy this season with his outstanding quarterback play. Talking about outstanding young quarterbacks in a game that was very unoutstanding but clinched a playoff spot for his Indianapolis Colts. That was Andrew Luck, who in the process... Broke Cam Newton's rookie passing records, beat the Chiefs 20 to 13. Colts are in the playoffs. What a renaissance. And guess who turns up to work tomorrow for the Colts? Chuck Pagano. Is there any, has there ever been a better story in sports this year? Everyone loves a comeback and nobody can be mad at the Colts' success. Andrew Luck from just down the road here, St. John's Woods. Mm hmm. Coming to the league, broke records, made friends, been a nice guy doing it. Reggie Wayne, such a fantastically talented NFL player. Touchdown for him yesterday. Lots of young, exciting talent on the Colts as well. Chuck Picano is back. Bruce Arians, someone that's been kicking around the league for a while. This was not pretty. The Kansas City Chiefs put up over 350 yards rushing. Even Peyton Hillis got 100 yards on the ground. But based on some really lame play by Brady Quinn, they were still unable to win this one, and the Colts are in the playoffs. Seventh time Andrew Luck has rallied this, his team this season to win in the fourth quarter. This guy's a special player. I don't know if he's not my vote for rookie MVP, but we'll save that discussion for another time. Another game with playoff implications in the NFC East. The Dallas Cowboys, who've come off a couple of last second victories in recent weeks, came up short at home against the New Orleans Saints, 31 to 34, but are still alive. They say it's the hope that kills you, and to be honest, to be a <laughs> Cowboys fan, I think that's really the case. The team comes back from two scores down and late in the fourth quarter to a rally to tie the game, and then they lose an OT, basically off what is uh, what I like to call uh, the secret forward pass fumble routine, which hasn't been seen in the NFL since the 1950s. You very rarely get a play that needs to have two separate review incidents on it. And again, 
this football move, did he make a football move, Marcus Colston thing, so we had to sit around for ages waiting for that. Mike Pereira got wheeled out of his coffin. He had to talk about <laughs> it. Then you had whether the Jimmy Graham recovered the fumble at the two-yard line in, in overtime. But he did, and the Saints end up winning it. But one of those strange games where the Cowboys were still in contention, even despite the loss. So they would have liked to give their fans one final last-minute victory. They weren't able to do that. They can still win the NFC East next week with a victory over the Skins, so they're going to be focused on that. A couple of outstanding individual performances. Drew Brees, he won the most durable player of the week on Red Zone last night. I'm sure he was <laughs> chuffed about that. 446 yards and three touchdowns through the air in a very disappointing season for the Saints. Drew Brees still continues to put up incredible amounts of yardage. On the Dallas Cowboys side, Des Bryant. We took the P out of Des Bryant at the start of the season, and one of the things that we said was, look, the lengths that the Cowboys have gone to for this player seems a little bit OTT, his own security, banning strippers from, not his house, banning him going to strippers and all the things that come with it, and him... Um, I can't even remember now. He stole his mum's trucker cap or something like that and, and headbutted yeah. her. All this, all this type of incidents. It's now starting to become worthwhile for the Cowboys. He tied a Cowboys record yesterday with a touchdown reception in his seventh consecutive game. He scored two 57-yard touchdown receptions from Tony Romo. Nine receptions in the game, 224 yards, looking like a lock to start opposite Calvin Johnson in the NFC Pro Bowl team. Jason Witten broke another NFL record. He, this record was, again, belonging to one of the real big dogs of this ish. He broke Tony Gonzalez's NFL season record of 102 catches by a tight end set in 2004. This is obviously after starting the season with a lacerated spleen. James, I don't think I can do anything with a lacerated spleen. I, I think I could barely, you know, walk the dog if I had a dog. But still, just the fact that he broke that record is amazing. And quickly, just to go back to Des Bryant, I'd, I'd also like to add that he had a really interesting game that in the first half he was amazing, went over 100, scored TDs, was looking really good. Disappeared for a bit during the third and majority of the fourth quarter and then turned up as one of the players that Romo looked to during that final drive. And I think we have seen a maturity from Des Bryant that we wouldn't have predicted at the beginning of the season. Cowboys still in contention, Des Bryant on fire going to be an amazing game next weekend in the nation's capital setting the NFC East two teams that had to win to stay in the playoff hunt one of them played great the Baltimore Ravens one of them played abysmally that was the New York Giants the New York Giants 14 the Baltimore Ravens 33 which one was the Super Bowl champions again in this game? <laughs> it was interesting, actually. So the commentator team actually harked back to say, oh, look, this game is very reminiscent of the, um, the Super Bowl victory for the Baltimore Ravens versus the New York Giants. And it really, really was. It was so one-sided. The New York Giants just did not show up for this game and look horrible. 
well, you know, I, I said earlier in the in the season that the Giants like to do this. They like to quit on the team. You see lots of fire Coughlin, and they rally round, and they make it to the playoffs, and then they'll win. But um, but no, they they are a shambles right now. Eli with only a hundred and fifty yards, fifty percent is unbelievable, frankly. New York have lost five of seven. They can't win the NFC East. They can still get a wild card berth, unbelievably. Jim Caldwell, congratulations to him. So his second game as offensive coordinator for the Ravens. They racked up a season half, 533 yards, including 289 in the first half. The Ravens snapped a three-game skid. They're going to feel a hell of a lot better about themselves. Great win for them. Flacco had a good game. This was the sort of game that had his fans believing that he's more than a game manager, to be honest. He's thrown for a career-high 3,783 3, yards this season. He gets criticism, we know this, but he has got his team in the playoffs. So, well done to you and well done to Jim Caldwell. Moving on to the late, late game. On paper, this was the game of the week. Two of the most exciting young quarterbacks in the game. We said this before. We're calling Big Cap a rookie. He's a redshirt rookie in our eyes. Going head-to-head in the Pacific Northwest. Primetime American TV audience. To help decide who wins the NFC West. The 49ers coming off an amazing victory over... The New England Patriots last week, this was a shock. Every day I'm rustling Wilson (laughs) and his Seattle Seahawks, 42. Big cap. And his San Francisco 49ers, 13. Bear in mind, they were losing 28-3 at some point. An enormous statement win for the Seahawks. It might have been the delirium from all that Christmas chocolate and all that rich food that I was eating, but I could almost hear the noise that the Seattle fans were making when I opened up my window. They were the 12th man, and they helped the Seahawks win this game, to be honest. The 49ers were all over the place in the first half, having to use two timeouts in the first quarter just so that they could get their their offensive plays off. And even when they did, they weren't going anywhere. Frank Gore didn't have a great game. The Seahawks are good on both sides of the ball, but their most important player is Russell Wilson. He's a short quarterback. We've talked about this all season. And for the fact that he has to overcome that shortness by being great at everything else is fantastic. He beat the 49ers with the accuracy of his passes and the elusiveness of his feet. It was a great performance by him. It really was. And we've had our buddy Justin from Seattle on the pod a few times. And these Seattle fans, man. They call themselves the 12th man, and a lot of fan organizations try to do this. This team is 7-0 and at home. If this team can play at home in the playoffs, they will be a unanimous favorite. The weather plays to their favor as well. Russell Wilson, career-high, four touchdown passes. And stats don't really do justice of his performance. Take some time, have a look at NFL.com, have a look at Go back in your season pass today and check out this performance. The way that he played in the pocket, the way that he plays in the pocket every week, 
is just phenomenal. Doug Baldwin stepped up with a couple of excellent touchdown catches. Marshawn Lynch running on the ground. This Seattle defense looking strong. The last three weeks, Seattle has outscored its opponents 150 to 30. They are the number one team in the NFL right now. Now, we talked about Rook of the Year, and maybe we don't necessarily want to decide it till next week. Russell Wilson is doing phenomenal things at the right time. Maybe the Rook of the Year gets decided on the outcome of Russell Wilson's last game and RG3's last game. I don't know. I think I think so. I think you're right. I, actually, to be honest, I wish they would actually postpone who they announce as rookie MVP and then waited until the first week of the playoffs when the two of them face off potentially in the playoffs. The 49ers. How do you feel if you're a 49ers fan today? 42 points, the most they'd ever conceded in the Jim Harbour era and the most they've ever given up since 2009. I think with the 49ers, what they'll say is that they're missing Justin Smith. They weren't able to force enough pressure on the pocket on Russell Wilson and it's one of those games that you'll kind of have to brush your shoulder and just kind of forget about it it is week 16 they're in the playoffs I think the one thing that they don't want to face again are the Seahawks and they potentially could so I think San Francisco have two kryptonite teams and those teams are the Rams and the Seahawks well the good news is they won't be facing the Rams again Let's look at week 17 and let's look at the playoff scenarios. An unmissable week in the NFL. Every week's unmissable, but this week decides it all. The division winners, the playoff matchups, who's in the playoffs, who isn't. It's all going to be decided next week on a couple of key games. Let's start with the AFC. All of the divisions are locked. The Texans have won the South. The Broncos have won the West. The Patriots have won the East, and with the win over the Giants, the Ravens have won the AFC North. The two wildcard teams are the Indianapolis Colts and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, the one thing that hasn't been decided is what the seedings are and who's going to play who. So, let's run through them. Get your calculators and your machines out. We'll try and talk you through it. The Houston Texans clinch home field advantage with a win or a Denver loss and a New England loss. And they clinch a first-round bye with a Denver loss or a New England loss. The Denver Broncos clinch home field advantage. If they win and Houston lose, then they clinch a first-round bye if they win or New England lose. New England clinch home field advantage. If they win and Denver lose and Houston lose, and clinch a first-round bye if they win and Houston lose or Denver lose. Simples. Yeah. And what that probably means is, first round of the playoffs, you were likely to see the Texans and the Broncos sitting this one out with a first round bye. The Bengals at the Patriots and the Colts at the Ravens. Pretty exciting stuff. Those are two big games right there. And I honestly think that Andrew Luck could potentially make his way through to the next round. And I'm go- actually I'm going to go ahead and say it. I could see the Bengals potentially upsetting the Patriots in that game as well. We shall see. Next week we'll be going into all of this, all the playoff scenarios. Can't wait. 
the NFC playoff picture, a little bit more wide open. Still nine teams that can make the playoffs, which is very exciting going into the last week of the season. The Falcons, as we talked about, have clinched the NFC South and have home field advantage and a bye throughout the playoffs. The Packers clinched the NFC North yesterday in a 55-7 to destruction of the Tennessee Titans. The NFC Next East week. decided on the Washington Redskins-Dallas Cowboys game. Let's go through the scenarios. In the NFC North, the Chicago Bears clinch a playoff spot if they win and Minnesota lose. And unsurprisingly, Minnesota clinch a playoff spot if they win or Chicago and Dallas and the New York Giants lose. So we can expect one of those NFC North teams to make the playoffs. The NFC East, by far football's most open division going into the last week. Dallas win. They clinch the NFC East. Washington win. They clinch the NFC East. They clinch a playoff spot if Minnesota and Chicago both lose. The New York Giants need a lot of help. They clinch a playoff spot if they win and Dallas lose, and Minnesota lose, and Chicago lose. The 49ers clinch the NFC West with a win or a tie, because obviously they've got the tie next to their record, or Seattle lose or tie, and clinch a first-round bye if they win and Green Bay lose. And Seattle can clinch the NFC West if they win and San Francisco lose, and can clinch a first-round bye if they win and San Francisco lose and Green Bay lose. So... Fast forwarding into the future, what you're probably looking at is the Falcons and the Packers getting a first round bye. Then what you're going to have is one of the Vikings or the Bears. And they'll be at San Francisco. And you'll have either the Giants or the Cowboys or the Redskins playing each other again (laughs) next week (laughs) at somewhere. If you're a fan of any of these teams and you want to look at all these scenarios again, we'll be tweeting ESPN's fantasy playoff machine. Actually, not fantasy. It's basically their playoff machine, and you can look at all, look at how every match could affect your team in the run-up to the playoffs. Yeah. Look at the stats. Lay them all out in front of you. Would seriously recommend that. Obviously, it's a pretty complicated uh, statistical breakdown of which we are trying to do our best to outline to you. But there you go. Next week, no Thursday night, no Saturday night games. All the games on Sunday, December the 30th. Nine early games. The ones with playoff implications as we've outlined. The Ravens at the Bengals. The Bears at the Lions. The Eagles at the Giants. The Texans at the Colts. More parity this week again. We've got five later games. The Rams at the Seahawks. The Cardinals at the 49ers. Then it's about the big one. Flex to the late game. The Cowboys at the Redskins. America will be watching that. That's going to be a great game. That's going to be week 17, people. That is the game that everyone will be watching. So, Inye... Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you, James. Do you want to tell the listeners what your Christmas plans are between now and week 17? Between now and week 17, I will be watching Christmas movies. 
I will be watching Super Bowl NFL produced films and I will also be hoping that my sister-in-law does not give birth to my future niece or nephew on Christmas Day. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> what about you, James? More of the same. Lots of NFL, lots of vintage NFL, lots of a football life, lots of America's game, lots of punditry, lots of college bowl games whenever we can. Let's not forget about them. Those those are on all the time as well. Fantastic yep. entertainment in there. But we will be back on New Year's Eve with the last North London 40 of 2012. We can maybe, I think we'll do a little bit of a breakdown of 2012 as well. Some of the things we liked, some of the things we didn't. Bit of an annual review. Some people put these out before Christmas. We're going to actually put it out the real time. Breakdown week 17. Playoff preview. Best of 2012 stuff as well. So, yeah. Check us out next week. Happy Christmas to absolutely all of you. Happy Festivus. <laughs> We love you all. It is the season of goodwill in the NFL and on North London 40. We will see you next week. Take care.